Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I believe it's going to be an exceptionally good show today. That's what I, I've i got planned for you. Patrick Albanese is going to be joining me in just a minute. And then the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. And then also a full hour with Todd Mulliken. We're going to talk about relationships with Todd. It's always good to have him on the program as well. So that's what's ahead. Uh, and now the uh, show to get it started. Let's bring on Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Iowa's true gift to the radio business. Patrick, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Is that relationships with Todd? So if you don't have in a relationship with Todd, you can't listen? That's, or it's no, you can listen. about relationships and he's the he's the person you're talking to them about. Yeah, with. exactly. Yes. yes, yes. Gotcha. Yeah, because yeah, I want clarity, as you know me. I always I always want the clarity. I'm a fan of that as well. Now, yes. Patrick, I am old enough to remember when the first billionaire went into space. I think it was last week. Now, yes. Yeah. Now the second one is going this week, and that would be Jeff Bezos. Like, you're worth $180 billion and you're not even the first guy on your block to do something. How depressing yeah. is that? And doesn't it have that copycat feel? Kind of, of yeah. Just, just sort of a cheap knockoff. It's like, oh, yeah, right. Oh, that, that is again. so old. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe you're doing that now. Well, and, and you know, it's it's amazing that the world's richest man kind of came in second to, because where does Branson fall on the spectrum? Oh, he's, I don't know, but he's nowhere near Bezos' wealth. No. You know, it's funny how— you know, No, you know no how one they, is, by they, the way. No, no one is. You know how they tell you in life that you should be hanging around the, the kind of people you want to be like? And I'm just wondering, can somebody get me an invite to that billionaire's <laughs> yacht club for good-looking fit people? Because— <laughs> Figure if I hang out with those guys, you know. Although I don't want to go to space, I I, I have I'm you know I I don't do well on roller coasters, and that just looks like a horrible one to me. Well, you know? I, I remember Bill Gates saying he wanted to spend the rest of his life helping people less fortunate than himself. Isn't that just about everybody? Uh, yes, and I would like to make it easy for him. He could start somewhere in the middle with an easy case. <laughs> oh, say me. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. So you know, it you, kind of as a warm up to yeah. helping others. Now you brought up roller coaster, w- which makes me suspicious because I think you did the roller coaster over the weekend. I think you've got an amusement park story for me. At least you intimated that you did. Yeah. Well, no. So, and that's you know, it's funny when you talk about being old enough. Uh, so you get to a kind of an age with your kids, which I do think is sort of funny, that um, you know you're bringing them to the amusement park. And you're like, you want to go on that ride? And they're like, it's too scary. It's too scary. You know, the next year they're a little bit older, a little bigger. You you ready to go on that ride? Yeah, too scary, too scary. And then finally you get to a point where you go to the amusement park and they say, Dad, I want to go on that ride. And you say, too scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's too scary. <laughs> but I, I, I did do a roller coaster with my, my daughter yesterday, and I don't like them. I don't like anything that goes in a repetitive circle, and this this one did not. Although I, I find, and it, and it was, and it was fun. It was, it was fun. It was not the normal boy, am I scared kind of thing, but I do find it interesting that 
you know, uh, amusement parks uh, apparently have gotten on the bandwagon of having everything sponsored like football and baseball stadiums. And you get very nervous when you get into uh, a car on a roller coaster and the one, of, one in front of you has an ad for a personal injury lawyer. <laughs> you know, I should probably be behind the one for Pepto-Bismol because that's really the, I'm going to need that one first. But uh, yeah, everything seems to be, you know, kind of sponsored now. It was, uh, it was actually kind of, you know, fun being there. And then it made me think of something because we went through this one area of the amusement park where they have the games and, and we don't generally pay the games, play the games. But so think about this. What's one of the rudest questions you can ask somebody? Uh, that's a wide open question to me. Yeah, but generally speaking, you would never ask somebody, say, their weight, right, or no. their age. Right. Those are considered rude. And yet they'll pay a 16-year-old kid five bucks an hour <laughs> to, to, to guess somebody's age and weight. Yeah. And I, I would love to sit in on the training program for, <laughs> for that, you know, a 16-year-old kid going – he doesn't know what he's doing. You have no idea what you're setting him up. He's going to get punched. He's probably going to get hurt. So I, I just want to know what the training protocol is when they say, look, when somebody comes up who might be a bit large, just take the L, kid. Hand him the Cupid doll and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Don't guess a number. I mean, isn't that just the strange? You're not supposed to ask people that stuff. And there's a, a whole section of amusement park, and they take the geekiest, pimply-faced young <laughs> kid and say, you go ask. You do it. <laughs> oh, so, that is so funny. I found that it just for some reason it struck me. I thought, this is a really bad idea. It might be time for that game to go. I don't know if you uh, yeah. you're allowed to ask people that question. I was always but, yeah. I was always impressed by people who went to those fairs, those traveling fairs on opening day. Because basically those rides were assembled the day before. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I always thought, well, I'll wait three or four days, make sure they're still running. Oh, excuse me. I just, I coughed and I apologize. No, that's all right. So uh, switching gears here, uh, this is a warm-up question. Uh, pancakes or waffles? Ooh. Uh, I, I like them both. Yeah, but you probably make pancakes more often because who's got a waffle iron, right? Rosie just I raised her not. hands. Yeah, I didn't think so. All right, this is just no, a those... comparison. So now talk about misinformation versus disinformation, because we're hearing these terms a lot nowadays, and I'm wondering if people understand them. I did a tiny bit of research if I've stumped you. Okay, I want to hear it. Oh, you go first. Because the difference between yeah. the two? Yeah, I just want to see if you can s define the two. Sorry, I got a, I got a scratch in my throat. It was that roller coaster. Okay. It finally well, hit. Me. Why, why don't you let me talk and you can mute the mic and cough away? So, misinformation okay. would be something to the effect like uh, I misread the invitation and I've told you that the party starts at six when the party really starts at four. So, that would be okay. misinformation. Now, disinformation would be uh, me not wanting you to come to the party at all and saying the party's the following day at noon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's actually that. That's a gr a great way to uh, sum it up. Now, which one of those do you get canceled for? Do they say, "Well, you are no longer allowed to have parties"? I I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I'm hearing these words, uh, misinformation, disinformation, a lot, and I was trying 
trying to make sure I understood exactly what the difference was. Well, and you know, there's to me, there seems to be sort of a, a very convenient. We've we've developed new phrases uh, in the social media age, and it finally hit me, by the way, social media. <laughs> you know, it's more about it's more about the me part of it yeah. than the dia, but um, that we we have these things I like to call conversation enders now. That uh, instead of an engaging in uh, uh, maybe uh, as best you can an intelligent back and forth and saying well here's here's how I see it you know give me some more information I could change my mind um, instead we come up with these these f- phrase enders you know and it it started years ago with the well where did you you know if you say something where did you get your information from and if you were to say let's say you said Fox News for example people would say up oh, forget it now nope, everything everything they say is a lie mm-hmm. or CNN you know going the other way so up oh, I don't trust a thing that comes out of CNN. You say, well, that just ended the conversation, but we never did address whether the information was true, factual, interesting, worth worth discussing. And now we've gotten much more clever about it where somebody could say something. We go, well, that's just disinformation. And you say, well, how do you respond to that? Yeah, good you point. Say, well, I, well, no, no, I think it's, I think it's true. No, nope, no, nope, you're listening to disinformation. It's like, well, what's your proof that that's disinformation? Could that possibly be more disinformation? And... So the we we now we don't allow conversations to go anywhere. We have just a bunch of conversation enders. We we do it sometimes with uh, say up oh, you know you can't possibly understand because you're not and then fill in the category. So conversation is over. You lose. It's always you lose. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we find you know, ourselves sharing conclusions with each other versus having dialogue? I think we do do that a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a very good point. Uh, you know, it's, I go to work occasionally, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, a lot of people in our industry tend to be maybe a little bit more liberal than I am. And it's always interesting that, you know, somebody starts with a premise that everything on that side of the aisle is wrong and, and, and it goes vice versa. You know, both sides will be guilty of this, of course, but, uh, I find that when I see it coming from the other side, I say to myself, you know, I have to be aware that when I do this, that I'm not just making sure I'm not staking a position in in my camp and that all I want to hear is information that backs it up and supports it. And everything else is that's disinformation. You know, once again, we get back to the to that to the topic that you started with. And it's not easy to do because mm-hmm. you don't want to keep your, you know, as Harry Anderson used to say, you want to have an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. Um, you know, that's uh, I want to be open minded, but, I, you know, I'll see it sometimes when I'm with people that they just say, oh, that came from, for instance, if it turned out, if they discovered tomorrow you know, right now they are saying we're doing pretty good with the vaccine uh, and if it suddenly dawned on them that, you know, it's not working as well as we thought, this hypothetical, of course, would they, who would they blame? I'm sure they'd go right back to blaming Trump for that. And they'd say, ah, see, it was his vaccine. It's like, well, you know, I'd like to think that we as a country worked on this as a coordinated effort and that it doesn't belong to a political party, that it actually belongs to, we've got to fix this thing, you know. But, uh, you know, if some, it's, it's, you'll see it with gas prices. If they go up, you know, uh, whoever's president gets the blame. If they go down, uh, whoever is president gets credit, unless you're a member of the opposite party. And then you say, oh, they always go down or they always go up. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
you know, we'll say, oh, the president has absolutely no effect on him. Well, they went out. Oh, yeah, that was our guy. That was yeah. our guy. He did that. You know, this so is, this is why I don't care about this stuff very much. It doesn't make a whole lot of it's sort of a distraction to the real work we're supposed to be doing here. Isn't I agree. It? Yeah. Amen yeah. to that. All right, Patrick, yeah. let me take a short break. When I come back, I want to find out if you shop at wet markets. And I want to talk about some common sense. Patrick Albanese is my guest, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. We'll be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Did you hear my whistling? Yeah, I did. Oh, good. I just yeah. didn't know if, if I was blending in or if I was standing out. Patrick Alban is, well, you... is, is my guest. He's my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. And I, I, I think you've got a comment to make right before I ask you another important question. No, you know I can't whistle. I didn't know if you were just rubbing that in. I was rubbing that in. (laughs) Yeah, you knew that. Okay. I was rubbing that in, yeah. I know. It's like I got a perpetual mouthful of saltines. Yeah. It's not good. Too bad. So let me get back to common sense because I love talking common sense with you because you uh, often refer to it. And you're not shopping at wet wet markets anymore, are you? I have stopped. Okay. I did. Yes, I did. I did stop. uh, Yeah. Now. If this worldwide pandemic was caused by a wet market, you would think there would be out banned forever. Correct? Common you sense. would at least you would at least think that there would be people besides just you and me right here right now <laughs> saying maybe we should stop having wet markets. I'm and just there trying was to probably some of that chatter. Yeah. Way back, but uh, you know, when they yeah, you're right when they said uh, this thing, you know, escape from a wet market. You thought, gosh, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of like having a, a zoo that doesn't have any cages. You say, you know, maybe we should just not have a zoo with no cages. Maybe we shouldn't have a wet market. You know, because I don't think there's a way to do this hygienically, is there? I don't know. All I know is it seems that if that was in fact the cause, you would not find another wet market or there would be new restrictions on what you could sell at these wet markets. Obviously, fresh fish and all that would be fine, I would imagine. But some of the more yeah. exotic types would, I, I guess, would need to be outlawed uh, because you can't risk what happened with this pandemic again. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, and we've taken extraordinary steps in the past. When when we had the ozone layer, the, the hole in the ozone layer, they uh, said it's the chlorofluorocarbons, the CFCs. Uh, so you, you can tell exactly where I finished going to school, right? <laughs> you could, you but because I know that, you know approximately what grade I was in and, and when I finished. So Chlor- did we? Fluorocarbons. Yeah. Course. Is the ozone gone? Well, I think the hole sealed up. You know, I guess you could say that there's discussion as to did banning the CFCs actually do it? Was it something that was going to happen naturally? But uh, f- this was happening back when I had big hair. So, you know, this is probably why I remember all of this stuff. You didn't use hairspray, did you? Well, you had to go to the pump. You had to go to the pump spray. (laughs) That stuff doesn't work. Did you use hairspray? uh, 
Uh, yes. Okay. I would have to use, uh, when, when, when my hair would get kind of long, I have very, I had very, very thick hair and in the seventies you wore it kind of long and it had to stay in place. So occasionally I would do that, but of course I also have five sisters. So, uh, you know, and two stepsisters, we grew up with uh, pretty much the atmosphere of the house is you couldn't light a match. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how dangerous it was. <laughs> And there was plenty yeah. of product available in the bathroom that you didn't have to go buy, I would imagine. Oh, there was, yes. We had rows of it because it's, you know, the 80s was the big hair era. Yeah. And, you know, that. But Did, uh, did it also look like CFCs. a small appliance counter at Best Buy with all the yeah. hair dryers and <laughs> curling irons and everything? Yeah. I don't understand why people can't share that stuff. It's, uh, you know, they're all burning your hair anyway. <laughs> you know. But uh, yes, yeah, so we banned those. I mean, uh, DDT was banned, was pretty much, it was worldwide, right? Because there was research that said, this looks like it thins this eggshell of this particular bird that could cause it to go extinct and that could uh, upset this delicate ecological balance and the, the food chain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, of course, our most effective weapon at killing mosquitoes back then. Uh, but they said, we think this is a greater... You know, these people that say those things, this is the greater danger is this thing. So we're going to have to find another way to deal with the mosquitoes. And yeah, we haven't had, you would think there'd be a bigger outcry, you know, there's a bigger outcry to say wear masks or get vaccinated, but you would think there would be an equally big outcry to say, Hey, how about this wet market thing? Yeah. You think it's time, you think it's time to move on from that? You think it's, you know, it's, it's like, this isn't a time to start putting fluoride in the water. If we just put the fluoride in the water all will be well. Maybe we could get rid of the wet markets because how many things have come from there? Yeah. I mean, on a, on a personal level, this doesn't apply to your kids, but if one of your kids developed a peanut allergy, you would not have peanuts in your house. That would be the end of it, right? Uh, we would be so peanut free that totally. uh, Snoopy would not be allowed in this house. Right. <laughs> That's how peanut free <laughs> we would be. Yeah. So when you think of what this pandemic has cost the world, in terms of death and disaster, you would think, oh. well, we have to Im immediately, common sense would say, stop it. So there must be more yeah. of a narrative than that. I, I And I, as I recall, they only had them, they did shut them down for a few weeks or maybe a couple of months. I, I, I don't have the exact numbers, so I'm only guessing. But they opened them back up it's, and it's like, hey, it's everything's fine. You know, it's... Uh, uh, kind of amazing to me that uh, that sort of passed muster and, you know, I, I yeah, I would like to see maybe let's get rid of the kind of things that cause disease outbreaks like this, yeah. as well as maybe some of these labs that experiment this kind of stuff. <laughs> and that makes me just a little bit nervous that we have countries saying, well, let's experiment with something. Now, if it gets out, it's going to be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you yeah. on that. Yep. I watch movies. I know what happens every single time. Yeah. So you posed a question to me on my text earlier today. You said, here's a question. If you accidentally discover a way to cheat at something, like, say, your step counter, do you do it? Do you have an answer for that? Well, that, now that's why I, I posed the question, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you my example. I, I made an accidental discovery. <laughs> uh, <see. laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm right-handed, uh, uh, and like most people, whether you're right or left-handed, you tend to wear your watch on your left wrist. I take it you do as well. Yes. Okay. And that's where the step counter is. 
the other day, I just for fun said, what happens if I put it on my right wrist? You know, will it change anything? Well, I eat with my right hand. And I noticed that I was getting credit for a step with every bite I took. <laughs> the more I ate, the more steps I took. Nice. Ergo, the more food I eat, the better shape I must be getting in. <laughs> yeah, your logic is horrible, just so you My know. logic is horrible. But, you know, there was a part of me that said, hey, this is kind of tempting that at least I'll get credit for a few hundred more steps and maybe it'll also encourage me to take smaller bites throughout the day because I'll be taking more of them. And I thought, but that's still cheating because those aren't really steps. No. <laughs> no. You know, I mean, if, if you discovered that if you put the, the watch around your ankle, that it actually counted a double step because maybe there's something that happens with the vibrations, would people be tempted and say, well, I got 142,000 steps today. <laughs> Don't know how I did it. <laughs> but... Uh, it's funny because you, you say, well, I should be, I have to be honest with myself. I mean, it's not like I'm going out just bragging to people how many steps I got. I'm the only one that really sees this information. And yet I was perfectly willing to say, this is really working for me, <laughs> but it was cheating. Yeah. Or is it cheating? Um, I would say probably cheating. Yeah. So use it just <laughs> Put it back on your left occasionally, wrist. Occasionally, just put it again. Just use it occasionally when you need to get over the when you need to get to that ten thousand mark. And yeah. You're just yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just I, I had a feeling you would probably go for the honesty is the best policy thing. I've heard that one before. Yeah, it's a good one. So it is a good one. Do, do the Olympics start this week? Do you know? I, I come I to you for, as my source of information from time to time. You know, I, I don't know. I, I do find it amazing that every time the Olympics start, we find this interest in sports we've either never heard of or <laughs> we, we, don't, we just don't follow them. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you have to watch curling. This is the most amazing sport. You should see these guys with the broom. I, nobody brooms like that. And, of course, the Olympics end. Somebody gets a gold medal. You don't watch the ceremony because, you know, you just – did we win? We didn't win. Okay, that's great. It's always Canada with that one. And – uh you never watch another curling match. You'll go four more years. Right. And, and, and while I enjoy the Olympics, usually when I watch them, I love to watch competition. I love to see anybody, whatever their game is at the top of their game. I, I find it fascinating that all of a sudden I'm interested in the 110 meter hurdles. Like I, you know, you could, you couldn't entice me to go to one unless <laughs> right. it was actually at the Olympics. Right. I love you know, those. I have, I don't have a DVD collection of them. You yeah. Know? I love those curling winners. You can't get these people to sweep the kitchen. No, no. Well, they're tired. They're exhausted. I do this for yeah. a, this is my job. I can't do this. Yeah, I can't risk a repetitive motion injury like <laughs> like sw sweeper's elbow. Right. Like <laughs> sweeper's elbow. That's tough to overcome. Yeah, I needed to laugh one. this morning or today this afternoon. I've needed one since this morning, and you provided it. So thanks, Patrick. Oh, my pleasure. Have always. a good day. Thanks, you too. Yep. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. After a short break. You can bet the Monday afternoon mix will start with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. That's what's up just around the corner.
Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. It's the mix. It's mix time. It's the mix. That's a new one. That's a new sound. That's because you're bringing new sounds from the bounce. Exactly. Waters. What sound was that, and where did that come from? It. Uh, it Let me introduce from... the show, though. First. Oh, <laughs> Let me get. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. This is the Monday afternoon mix, as we usually do on Mondays at this time. Pastor David Miles, who is a pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and also uh, adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern, and Rosie B, who's my producer. That's the squad. We're here, ready to go. Okay, now let's get back to that weird noise. That yeah. weird noise? Yeah, what was that? Um, that weird noise came from like probably, you know, Lake Three or Four or Lake Insula and in the Boundary Waters. Okay. Was yeah. it like your version of a loon, do um, you think? I don't know. I think the loons would be offended if, if we actually put that, <laughs> that horrible sound. Maybe it's a sound. new bird species that you heard up there. It, it could have been. Could have been. And there was beautiful sounds of birds and bald eagles, lots of bald eagles. Oh, what? Was it gorgeous? Oh my goodness, you guys. I want to hear. Give us details. It was... Pretend we're not on the radio. It was, you know, like when the psalmist says in Psalm 8 that the heavens declare the glory of God in his goodness. I mean, like, it was so just phenomenal uh, to be there again. Um, And this year was the second time my son Jackson and I went the first time for my son DJ and was telling him, like, you know, bud, you know, you, you get up in the morning... And there's this this mist going across a glass steel water. Mm. And I mean it's just it's it is so just refreshing for the soul. And I just found myself just singing a lot, you know, wow. just declaring God's goodness and you know, um maybe I was making a joyful noise. You know, <laughs> but I mean you I mean the the, the sun sets and the sun rises and what was really unique this time and, and um, was there's been a, a fire ban up there. There's been fires that have been happening up there and in Canada. And so the haze and the way that the uh, the sun would set and the sun would rise due to all the haze from that. And, you know, for our listeners, continue to lift up in prayer these firefighters and yeah. those who are out there because, you know, there's a lot going on and, and just trying to, to control that. Um, but, yeah, and then the stars, you know, you go to bed when the sun goes down at about eight ish, and mm-hmm. then like the mosquitoes come out, and if you're not in the tent, you know you are being carried away. Um, but I remember just you know turning over in the middle of the night, even with the fact that I lost my glasses and one set of rapids and a tip that wasn't very fun. But looking up through the tent and just seeing this canopy of stars, my goodness! And it's like, and I remember telling one of the guys, I'm like. You know, it's so incredible, like, all of these stars and, you know, the nearest galaxy, Andromeda, is 200 million light years away, but God knows you. Like, he He knows your name. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows your, I don't know, I'll, I'll just say your white Ford Fusion that you're driving in right now, and you're in there thinking you're insignificant, you know, I'm not, a, you know, insignificant. And here the God of the universe is like, no, I love you, and, and I see you, and you are valuable to me. You know what's always amazing to me about when people come back from nature's places like the Boundary Waters is I feel like I can see that they are awestruck by God. Awestruck, you know, that we need to get to that place of awe sometimes because we're just in our routine and we forget that he hung the moon 
in the sky and the, the stars and the galaxies and all of those things. And you need to get away from yeah. your schedule to be awestruck. But that awestruck feeds you. And I see that on you. You're like glowing yes. in here. Yes. You know, one of the most beautiful things, you guys want to hear one of the most beautiful, wonderful things about this trip is when you come to the part and first of all, when you come to the part and there's like no service on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't get any of our texts that we were being silly with then? Mm. Nope. Okay. And, and actually... You know, the guy, the one dad who had led it, and, um, you know, he actually had the young kids. It's like, you know, you're leaving your phones at home, you know. So they, they left them in Minneapolis as we drove north um, up to Duluth and then to Ely. But, I mean, you know, it it truly is this, just this, I don't know, like, you know, purging um, and just how much of a rat race. And, Rosie, you know what? Mm-hmm. What's amazing is... Um, how much of the day is really there? I mean, like we would go to bed probably about eight o'clock. We get up at four, four thirty, and then we paddle anywhere from, you know, three to six hours. But it'd be amazing. You'd get to camp, and it's like there's so much, there's so much day, and there's so much richness, and there's so much community, and there's so much. I mean, like I just really enjoyed being with these other, you know, young men and men. Um, and it 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 was just really incredible to be like you lose track of time as you're kind of soaking it in, and that actually was really good uh, for me. It was good for my my soul to be refreshed in that way. To unplug. I did find it interesting, David. You said there's no phone service, and I I, I often say that you know we create technology, then it turns around and recreates us. Mm. There was a time for forever, dec- decades where you'd go into the boundary waters and a phone or phone service wasn't even a consideration. There was no such thing as a cell phone. Yeah. But now technology has changed how we live. And there's probably anxiety for many people to think I am now out of touch. I can't use my cell phone anymore. It's a good lesson. Yeah, it it really is. And, you know, how much, you know, how tethered we are to things and, you know, you kind of get this kind of um, detoxing of, you know, do-do-do-do-do, ding-ding, because, you know, it's it's basically, you know, birds and nature. Now, there there is this kind of, like, mimicking technology thing that is really annoying. Mosquitoes. <laughs> well, oh, you, you had me at 430. I'm like, okay, that's not going to happen. And mosquitoes, so right there, double whammy. Yeah, mosquitoes and then... Deer flies and horse flies. And the little black flies are quiet, but they bite. And I mean, like, they're boom, boom, they bite, and they're gone. Um, but horse flies, they, 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 you know, they, they get blood out of you, and they're not very nice. And then the buzzing of the mosquitoes when you're trying to sleep, that <laughs> drives me nuts. Phil and I are trying to make ourselves feel better that we don't want to go, but we're loving it on you. I know. <laughs> well, a couple things that are important is, you know, gear is it's very helpful. So, you know, the people we went with, um, the one gentleman, Pete Bogle, forty eighth year going. Wow. Eighty year old um young whippersnapper who, you know, has portaged his own, you know, sixty five pound fiberglass canoe with a backpack and, and, and loves Jesus. And uh just an incredible man who has mentored 
so many people and quietly, you know, and has made just an indelible imprint upon his own son, who's one of the other dads, but just among so many people. And it's it's a reminder for people that God's given you unique passions. And 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 he didn't actually develop this passion until someone took him on a trip way later in life. And mm-hmm. so he said when he retired, he wanted to start, you know, hiking. And so he's hiked the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Rim. He's met people. He's led people to Christ. He's helped people come back to Jesus who walked away. But it, if you meet Pete, he just has this this oozing of Jesus. Quiet guy, tells really rich stories. But in the midst of his passion, he God has connected him with Pete being Pete, and he's transformed um, uh, people's life. And and so, so he prepared a um, a packing sheet for us to have all, you know, the right stuff, you know, right number of, you know, changes of clothes, shirts and stuff, because you're hiking with this stuff, you're taking it with you. So some stuff you really don't need to bring. And so actually, before we leave, you have to unpack everything and say, okay, yeah, you don't need that. You brought that. You didn't, it really wasn't as important, but earplugs. Oh yes. Earplugs and mosquito nets. Now what the earplugs, because of what Bill said with the buzzing? Yes. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, first, first, uh, last year when I was there, first couple nights, I mean, like, and it's it's more so like the bzzz, and then when they stop and you don't know whether they're biting you or not. And so one of the guys had an extra pair and he gave them to me and I put the mosquito hat thing on and the earplugs and it was glorious. <laughs> you know what would be glorious? C-A-B-I-N. Kevin. There we go. Those, those, yeah. those are good. <laughs> My packing list would include king bed, king right. size bed, <laughs> central air, all kinds of stuff. That really is in a cabin, Rosie. Right? So I, you're making I, a good point. I know. I capitalize C-A-B-I-N. They have those up there, too. Um, and I know, like, for Jaden, our youngest son, he's kind of like, so, like, DJ. Yeah, he goes, well, like, where's like where's your shampoo? And, like, you know, are, are you going to, like, where are you going to take a bath at? And DJ's like, you go in the lake. Yeah, I know you're going to go in the lake and swing, swim, but, like, like where are you going to, like, you know, take a bath? Like, you know, and so he was just kind of like, like, what are you doing? You know, so. Yeah. So not to put you on the spot, David, but do you recall a Pete story during the, the week that you were there that kind of pops into your head? Wow, Pete has. Um, I like stories. He has so many uh, incredible stories, and I, and I think it actually be really rich for people to actually be able to meet Pete at some time because, like, literally, he has so many stories. We actually, his son has heard him so many times that we started saying, "Okay, well, that's number twenty-six. Okay. <laughs> Someone screamed sixty-three, and uh, but he he tells the story of of hiking uh, Pacific." Uh, Pacific Rim, and it was super, super hot, and he actually met this person, and people have trail names, so his name is Mr. Zip, and it was actually given because Mr. Zip was a post... Um, post um, Postal worker? Yeah, well, it was a post office thing when they were trying to introduce the, the zip code, and Pete's worked for the U.S. Post Office for, for years, and so that became his trail name. Well, he met this person named, named Little Princess, and they were hiking, and they actually were at a point where they had no water, and like it was like really bad, like they had no water. And Pete tells the story that they were out there and it was like there was some mirage off and he said Little Princess wanted to go there and he's like, you know, you have to stay on the trail. You know, you can't go because we don't even know what that is. And he said, you know what, we prayed. He says, we, I guess we need, you know, we, we, let's pray. 
And he's like, Lord, you know we're out here. We, we don't have any water. And this is not a good situation. Um, and he said, like, you needed to be drinking, like, every 15 minutes. And I mean, like, and they're walking long distances. And he said they prayed, took a few more steps, and he saw something shiny off to the left. And he went over, and, and sometimes people would do this. They'd bury a flask in the sand. Um, and he came, and there was a liter and a half of water. And uh, he, he later said that as he went on, because he, he hiked, they finally got to a place where they were able to get water water. Um, and he hiked faster than the little princess, and he said that she would always find him. And she's like, you know, I'm staying with you. God is with you. So I'm going to continue just to hike with you. And so it was just really, you know, an incredible story. Um, and him just sharing of just the numerous places where he's been um, and just how, how God's used him in the life of other people. It's awesome. I think we'll take a little break, and then when we come back, maybe I'll learn the dif- difference between water and water water. Didn't know there was <laughs> a difference. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. I'm like, oh, shoot, there's two types of water. I didn't know that. I didn't know it either. And I thought his name would be Little Moses or something, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I'm like, is he going to hit a rock? Is he going to hit a rock twice? <laughs> that would, that <laughs> but would no, be, a flask. That would have been a great story. That would have been yeah. good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Version the, two. We'll just make it up okay. when we come back. <laughs> you listen to the Monday Afternoon Mix, and why not? We'll be right back. Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles in studio, Rosie B. So we are chatting a little bit about David's trip to the Boundary Waters, and he took a couple of his kids and some other folk and had an amazing time. And I was just looking at a statistic that there's one million ninety thousand square feet acres. 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 That's a lot of uh, lot of area. What kind of guidance? What kind of GPS, what kind of map do you need to navigate through that kind of wilderness? Um, we didn't have GPS, okay, but there are, um, you know, detailed maps and important thing, they are waterproof in case, you know, you tip a canoe. Um, but, you know, one of the things, uh, and we, we actually, we, we did various devotion times, like we'd have an evening devotion that my son DJ left, but there's so much rich um, things that declare God's goodness and glory. And one of the things is on these lakes, these portages that you go to, to cross into lakes, you know, they're not always as well distinct. And, you know, the lakes, you like to think they're just shaped as a square, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> And there was times that we were going places and it's like, where in the world are, like, where's this portage at? And one of the key things was having a map. I mean, without a map, there is like, you know, we'd still be up there. We really, we Mm -hmm. really would be. And, um, you know, this became a great, you know, metaphor 
or illustration one morning because we got in the canoes and started going and the mist is out and you're like, okay, where are we at? And I, I said, you know, you know, Bill, have you, how, how have you directed? I'm like, do you need the map? He's like, absolutely need the map. What else? Well, you have to look at the map a lot and all the time because you're constantly making readjustments. And we, we drew the comparison that God has given us a map. You know, he's given us his word um, to lead and to direct. And, and we talked about how the psalmist said that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And, and another rich thing about God's word being a map and God's word being a light is you have to remember um, there's no electric companies out there. So like when it's, when it's pitch black, it's pitch black. And it's amazing how much a little light, little headlamp, little pin light transforms everything. Hmm. And so, you know, the part of, uh, and, and how much it draws attention to it. And so, you know, for some that are, are driving home today or listening and, you know, you're feeling discouraged even sometimes in your work, like, am I making an impact, you know, and, and you know, do people see Christ in me? You're, the presence of Christ in your life um, is huge. And as you continue to look to the map, that God has given in love to direct us each day, it, it's it's powerful. I mean, like, it really is powerful. And really, it really solidifies how much. Not that you, like, hey, great, yesterday was wonderful. And I know a number of people had pastors who gave, you know, really rich um, messages. But you need to be looking at your map today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and multiple times during the day to let it direct you so that you don't end up tipped over or lost. And a lot of people today, we end up, we end up going lost because, you know, uh, what, what the hymn writer said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, you know, mm-hmm. prone to leave the one I love, leave, leave the one I love. Here's my soul. Oh, take and keep it. I, don't, I think you should sing it. Yeah. Uh, Come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I love about this... <laughs> Oh I, I scared all the birds up in the in the boundary waters. They're up there saying, "We will take Jesus. Just don't have them sing anymore." <laughs> right. Um, what I love about what you're saying, David, is that with all the conflicting, you know, uh, Bill was just talking about new definitions and new words that are coming up to describe the times, right? And with all the conflicting messages, there's grains of truth that you want to hold on to in a lot of the messages. But if you don't know what the Bible says. How are you supposed to know the false prophets? How are you supposed to know if you've gotten off track? You think you're doing something good, but you're, in, you know, with good intention, but the action doesn't align with what God would have you do. So I love what you're saying about testing it against scripture and, and going to scripture every day yourself. Yeah. Super, super, super rich because, you know, one of, in, in doing the, um, the devotion time and, and DJ did just a great job and basically setting it up and we had just wonderful conversation. I mean, like it was just such interactive conversation, which is what makes a really rich time. And it was really him just kind of priming. And sometimes he was like, yep, I just need to throw my questions away because the conversation started and we just naturally, you know, um, flowed into that. And, and so the importance of God's word, the importance of community, like we would not have been able to do like, like 
there are people out there who who have done the trip on their own. I know for me, as more of a novice to this, it was important for me to have community, and it was really neat to kind of see the ways that we helped one another and actually helping one another how attitude is everything, you know, giving thanks in all circumstances, whether you go canoeing up Fire Lake and you want to do a portage and you get up there and there's orange tape because the portage is closed due to the fire ban and the fire that's up there. So now you have to paddle all the way back, but you roll with it and you encourage one another and you sing and you thank God because... As, as my mom and the old folks used to say, there's a lot of folks that want to get up this morning and to be able to, to do those things. So the privilege of being out in God's creation and to enjoy his beauty, the ability to be able, even able to carry a canoe and to watch an, an 80-year-old guy run an obstacle course with a canoe on his shoulder and then paddle out around this obstacle and then swim through it and then pick up a pack and run. Like, we made this obstacle course. And to watch this man who just loves Jesus ooze Jesus, and he just has such a joy, it was, it's just really, it's really rich. And just to be with other young men and men together, just sharing life and seeing people along the way and saying hi, because they're on their respective journey too. So. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, because you all, am I understanding correctly, all of the people that were on this trip know Jesus in different varying parts of their life, but they know Jesus, correct? Um, yes. And, you know, one of the youngest guys, you know, he's, you know, there's, there's, um, where he's at, uh, I'd say, yeah. And it was interesting because, um, of the various challenges, you know, like, um, one of the, the dads issued a challenge to this one family member and just really wanted to call up, but then it was neat to be away and to hear the, other younger guys like my son DJ and Jackson, you know, pouring into him and then just the various ways that you can do that. And again, it speaks to the importance of community that God made us to be, um, you know, in this together. And one of the things is one of the guys that, that one of the young men that we wanted to come with, he wasn't able to come. And it was really kind of, it was sad for us um, because, you know, we really wanted him to be able to enjoy this, you know, with us and due to some circumstances he wasn't able to come and and you know it, it's sad because you want to share that well and I was thinking you know based on attitude it's so much easier to be grateful you know it's infectious you know attitude of gratitude is infectious and so that's why I was asking if you were all you know followers of Christ in your group, then that would be so contagious to be thankful, to be like, okay, we're going to sing through, we got to turn around and paddle back, but we're going to sing through it. And the importance of community in, in providing the richness of the word in your, in your experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that did happen. I mean, like a stuff would happen and be like, all right, it happened. Okay. What are we going to do? Let's, all right, let's, let's plug ahead. And then all of a sudden God would grace us with these things like, Look, dude, look at that. There's a bald eagle that just snatched a fish out of the lake. Here's some loons coming by. Here's some mergansers. There's, there's all these things. There's deers. Hey, is that a moose crossing the lake? Like, what's it doing? You know, so all of these very, like, rich little things along the way. And, and during the time, Rosie, the mosquitoes are still trying to suck the blood out of you. 
<laughs> and they're still being annoying. I would need a big community. You know? <laughs> so on this journey, there's going to be annoying pests. There are going to be um, scrapes and bruises. There's going to be cut. There's going to be detours. There's going to be a number of things that pop up, and yet. Even in the midst of that, we sit on a rock traveling some 515,000 miles an hour through the galaxy that God sovereignly holds and knows us and gave us his son and gave the Holy Spirit. And each morning, without anything that I did, turn over and look at that. Here comes the sun. And God did that. Wow. Sounds like a great trip. I'm so glad you had a wonderful time, and I'm so glad it was you and not me and Rosie that went us on that because it doesn't appeal to either of us, but thank you for sharing that. That was great. Thank that wraps up our time for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Special thanks to, once again, Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're going to take a little break. Hour two is just ahead. Todd Mullican is going to be in studio. We're going to talk about relationships, and it's going to be amazing. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.